Well, good morning, Identity Church. While we're getting my sermon up uh, on the screen here, I just wanted to talk to you guys about what the Lord has been putting on my heart the last few weeks, which is prayer. You know, one of the great things about prayer is, is that it's so much more than us just speaking a bunch of words. You know, prayer is something that is us connecting. In fact, it's very spiritual. You know, when we talk about meditating, you know, people, oh, meditation, you're talking about some sort of, you know, ancient Chinese something or another. No, meditation was designed by God from the beginning. Now, we can get into hows and the whys and the, all that kind of stuff. And there is some very unscriptural ways to pray in meditation. You know, you basically don't want to sit in the lotus position forever and, and you know, um, because that's not it. In fact, all you just said was um, okay? I want you to understand that. If you're sitting in a lotus position for hours going um, and I'm getting some enlightenment, all you knew was um, okay? No, I want you to understand that prayer, praying the way God wants us to pray, is a very spiritual thing. You know, when, when I used to pray, you know, you get down on your knees as a child. I remember mama would come in there and we'd sit there and we'd pray when I was a kid. And we would say prayers that was like, you know, bless mom and dad. And, you know, bless Nan and Papa and bless everybody. And there's... Hungry children in China, we're going to bless them too. You know, those are, those are prayers. But at the end of the day, they really had no substance. You know, I love, I love Hebrews chapter 11 for what it is. Hebrews chapter 11, 1, especially when we start talking about that what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen here. Right? But the hope was that imagination. It was that expectation. It was the thing I saw in here. And in here. I'm going to tell you what. I... I truly believe that once we grab hold of what prayer is and how prayer affects our lives in certain ways, we start getting to the point to where I don't even say a word. All I have to do is just sit in there and God just opens my mind to something. Have you ever been driving down the road and all of a sudden you get a God thought? How many people's gotten a God thought? You know, a God thought is God talking to you? You know, that's the beauty. God doesn't talk to us about, Dustin, I need you to pray for Steve. Okay, he goes longer. Steve! Pray for him. No. He doesn't do that. If I was to get something from God, it was I would see Steve. I might see Steve in his situation. I might see Steve beyond his situation. And I'm going, God, what do I need to pray for him? Well, God gave us his word. God gave us the Holy Spirit. And see, what I want you to understand is that when I pray for someone else, then I am praying a prayer that is a promise. So I'm going to recap just for a second here because... I know there was a lot of things I said last time. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like that you get it better when you've reheated it a little bit, right? How many people's had something that you, you ate it the first time you thought, well, that was good, but you reheated it and it was better? See, this is going to be better because I had to explain a whole lot of stuff last time and try to get us to think in the same way. And I felt like about three quarters of the way through, all of a sudden it was like everybody went, yeah, I see what you're saying. So I'm going to recap just for a second, and then I'm going to get into the other part of what prayer is. So some of the recaps is hypocrites love to pray. I know that was so shocking. I mean, there was people that was rioting in here. It was so bad. It was like hypocrites love to pray, and heathens love to use many words. You know, Matthew 6, where Jesus actually says this, it wasn't dusty. I didn't come up with this. 
Jesus is actually trying to tell the Pharisees that you stand on the corner. And it would be like if I came up here and I said, let me tell you guys, I'm going to pray over you all. So we're all going to go down here on the corner and I'm going to pray over everybody. And then I want everybody to go, oh, look, Dusty. Oh, he's so holy. See, that was the way the Pharisees prayed. People, when they walked down the road, they, they separated. They parted like the Red Sea. You know, it was a status more than it was a spiritual encounter. Prayer became this thing that said, oh, if I'm praying, then it didn't matter about the substance. It mattered about who did it. Because you could take the same prayer and you could stand John the Baptist. You know, how many people have ever heard Jesus freak the song? You know, that, that whole song is about John the Baptist. Basically, the man wore like grungy looking clothes. He ate locusts and honey. They arrested him and thought he was a crazy man. You know why? Because he looked crazy. The man lived in the desert. Do you know that when we, if we had taken John the Baptist and we had taken Nicodemus, which was the, the premier uh, Pharisee of the day, and we had stood them on the corners, and, and all of a sudden, you know, John the Baptist says a prayer, and Nicodemus goes over here to the other corner and he says the exact same prayer. People would be booing John the Baptist and they'd be over here telling Nicodemus, oh, especially those that were of the, of the synagogue at the time. Oh, your words, they're of God. The crazy man's words over here, only the people who were of his caliper said, hey, I think there's something to this. See, what we have to understand is prayer is not about what we, it's not about a status. It's not about us standing up here and say, you know, I used this term the other day. It's like you can go find the biggest country boy you ever found. And you say, hey, can you come up here and pray for us, brother so-and-so? And he comes up there and he's, I'll do it for you, boy. And he comes up there and he goes, everybody bow your heads. Our father. I love thee. And you're, the best Elizabethan English you ever heard comes out of this man's mouth. Do you know that that is a show? Now, is there a, is there a problem with that? I think that sometimes having some, some theatrics is okay. I'm not saying that there's not. I, I, hey, I'll come up here and I'll song and dance it if that makes y'all listen to me. Right? I mean, there's parts of the time I'm standing up here and I'm saying some stuff. I'm emphatic about something because I want you to stay awake. And you know what? It doesn't always work. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is that prayer has more to do about what, about what the substance of it is rather than how you do it. And that gets us into what is prayer. And prayer is this word in the Greek called prosudomai. It is actually a compound word, pros and ukamai. And pros ukamai basically means, pros means nearness, uh, to, to lean towards, to, to, to be near. And ukamai basically means to wish, means to pray to God. And, you know, we can look up all these things about what wish is. I, I love the Webster's, so I, I put it in here. And it's thinking about something that you want. That's all wish is. I'm just thinking about something that I want. And, you know, wishes are good, just good thoughts and feelings towards other people. You know, a lot of times you find people who don't, they don't want to be, well, I'm praying for you, brother. Have you ever had anybody say, I'm praying for you, something bad happened, I'm praying for you. Have you ever had some people that says, I'm sending good thoughts and wishes towards you? Well, you know what? The people who are saying good thoughts and wishes, I hope that they're Christian. I hope that they really understand what they're doing. Because if they're not, they just basically told me that they're praying for me. 
Because essentially, when I think about what I want, think about this. If I was to think about the promise all the time, that's what I truly want. I want God's promise on every situation that I ever do. That is a prayer. If I'm thinking towards you, I am thinking God's promise towards you. I find scriptures. If any of you ever come up and we pray together and I use words, I'm trying to use words because I got to paint a picture. You know, your words are sent to paint a picture. It's like a tapestry. We're supposed to say words that mean something that paints a picture in here. Okay, I'm going to do this. Can everybody play with me for just a minute? Can everybody imagine with me? Let's become kids for just a second, okay? Everybody good with this? Because I'm, I'm about to do something that I want to make an, an example for. Everybody close your eyes. All right, everybody lives in a house or an apartment or something. I want you to think about, and don't scream it out, but I want you to think about every window you have in your house. Can you give me a number if I was to ask you directly? Now, I know some of y'all, y'all have three windows and it's a big picture window and everything. So just count that as a window. One. When y'all are done, you can open your eyes. Looks like everybody's eyes are back open. Do you know I did the same thing? And do you know in my mind I imagined and I walked through my house? Do you know you don't count windows by sitting there going, well, I can't see it in my head, but I'm going to tell you what a window looks like in my house. No. You stand in your kitchen and you see the window that's over the sink. You stand in, in my living room. I've got two windows that sit right, right beside my fireplace. I go into the little keeping room or sitting room or whatever, and I've got two windows, and then I've got a window in the door. I can even show you where my coffee cup is sitting in my head. See, that's called imagination. I get to see something in my head. God created us to be imaginative people. When we're kids, we imagine all kinds of stuff. I used to imagine I was at the OK Corral. I used to imagine that I was a karate master. I imagined all kinds of stuff. And it was, ama- it was amazing. How many stories would I tell you today, Mom? I was great at storytelling. I was awesome at it. In fact, I imagine that I'm the greatest storyteller that's ever storytelled, okay? But I just want you to understand that, that we don't live our life in a what I see on the outside. We live our life on what we see on the inside. You go to work every single day. If I asked you where you worked... You're going to tell me about landmarks and you're going to tell me about buildings and you're going to tell me about all this stuff. You see it in your mind when you do it. When we were kids, there was a point where somebody came and made fun of you and said, Dusty, quit telling those stupid stories. Quit telling all that stuff because you sound like an idiot. And so Dusty quit telling stories. Dusty quit thinking imaginatively. You know what? There's some good reasons because I would sound crazy at 45 years old, right? But what I want you to understand is, is that at 45, now I need to imagine my world. I need to imagine what happens at the end of this day. Right now, before I came up on stage, I sat there and I said, Lord, I imagine that when I speak these words that you're going to paint a tapestry on the inside of every single person. That they're going to see your word, that they're going to see what needs to happen, and that they're going to bring this back to their home, to their families. That this is going to be a tool that they're no longer going to just be like, I'm just going to say a bunch of words and I get tired of saying a bunch of words. How many people in here have done an hourly, like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for an hour? 
Most people can't do it. It, it is a marathon if you're just sitting there speaking words. Lord, I mean, within five minutes, I can pray for everybody in the whole world. Lord, bless them all. I mean, I literally have been sitting there, and then after like 10 minutes, I'm like, ooh, this is bad. Lord, I'm sorry that I actually made this commitment that I was going to sit here and pray for an hour. But do you know that now that I've understood what prayer is, I sometimes daydream about what could be. I daydream about the word. I daydream about, I've seen things in the Bible by reading the Bible that I can actually tell you I stood there when David was being dressed down for having, for having Bathsheba and having her husband killed. I've sat there and, and seen it in my mind. Was it exactly like it's supposed to be dusty? I don't know, but I can tell you what I think. I gave y'all an example, and I'm going to use a scripture here in a little bit, where, where I, I, was, I literally read the word when Jesus cursed the fig tree, and when he came out of the temple and they saw the fig tree, I literally saw Jesus like just dress down Peter. Do you know why I did that? It's because I meditated the word. And I sat there and I said, well, what would they look like? How would they react? What would be the things that, that I mean, if I was in a situation where I'm just sitting here talking to you guys, would I, would I be going, if you just believe with your heart and say with your mouth? No, Jesus was a person. He was emphatic. Jesus was a better storyteller than Dusty. I know that's, ooh, that, that just got y'all because y'all... I know y'all are sitting there going, you're the greatest storyteller that's ever told a story. But Jesus was better than me. Jesus could captivate an audience because he had the Spirit of God on the inside of him to be able to paint a picture on the inside of him. If he wasn't, if he was just the worst speaker you could ever think of, there would be nobody that would have followed him. See, God gave him the abilities and the talents of everybody in the world. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that in your own life, in your own mind, you don't have to be a great storyteller. You have to be a good story thinker. You have to read the word and see the promise and apply that promise in a way that allows you to have a near wish. It's something that just, I see it. I see, you know, when God goes, Steve, talk. Pray for him. I don't go, Steve. I don't go, Steve, I'm praying for you. Amen. I think about Steve and the situation. God, what do you want me to pray? You know, me and mom was talking about something. I'm going to let her do a, a, a testimony in a couple weeks on some stuff. I, I, I'm still praying about how we want to do this because it's kind of fresh. But I want. But the thing is, is that mom had an experience where she actually felt someone else's despair and knew what to pray for them. And you're thinking, whoa, I've never had that happen. See, that's why this is spiritual. This is not physical. Because if you believe that prayer is just me sitting here just saying a bunch of words and not doing anything, then you don't know that the Spirit of God is working in this world. Because there are times where I have known people's thoughts there's been times where I've known and seen things and I go, Lord, don't show me that anymore. But then he tells me, pray the promise. Okay, I'm going to move on. I can sit here and talk about this all day long. Because imagination, you know, God gave me ADD and dyslexia. You know, I really believe that he gave me the 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 aspects of it because that's what I think kicked me off into having into having the ability to tell a story and to my mind would wander and all that. But you know what? It was really bad for my human side. It was awful. But you know what? The moment that the Spirit of God changed me and I can do all things through Christ Jesus, now I was able to take the to take the aspects of believing and and I mean Anybody who's had ADD, you sit there and you stare off into space. Have you ever seen somebody that just, they, they can't keep their mind on anything? They can't 
follow anything, they probably have ADD, okay? But let me just tell you, when you're sitting there and you're having ADD, you're thinking about something. Well, you know what? God wants us to have godly ADD. He wants us to be able to sit there and go, I believe without, I believe in his word and I take his word and I apply his word inside of me and I see his word and I see the people and I see it just like you saw every window in your house. Amen. Amen. Hopefully that helps somebody. I'm not saying God gave me ADD. I mean, I'm just saying that it was a good thing now because I get to actually sit there and just mind out on God's word. All right. We pray the promise. We meditate until we illuminate. That's all part of this whole idealism. But we're going to get into now. Doubt causes us to see a prayer incorrectly. You know, I really truly believe this is one of those things. And, and this, you know, Matthew 11, 23, 24, uh, for those that have ever listened to Brother Hagen, uh, he uses that scripture all the time. In fact, people have kidded that he's written that scripture. Well, here's the flip side in Matthew 20, 21, and 22 of that exact same scripture in Mark 11, 23, 24. And it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not. So there's a, a, a doubt side of this that when I'm praying, I got to clear out the doubt in my own heart in order to be able to pray for Steve. You know, I think it's sometimes good that I don't know everything that goes on with people when they want me to pray. I think it's good for me for you to tell me, hey, we're praying about this situation. But sometimes I just don't want to know the backstory because that starts putting doubt in my heart. Have you ever heard something really, really bad about a situation? And you were like, hey, this is this is just this is bad. Well, I gotta overcome my doubt in order to be able to agree and pray. You know, I found that most people end up, before we pray, they end up wanting to tell me about 50 years of bad things that have happened. And then now let's pray and God just fix it all tomorrow. Okay? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way for me. It doesn't work that way for you. We have to get the doubt out. That's why it says right here, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith... And doubt not. It means, hey, let, let's not doubt. It means that whatever I'm here to say and to do, let's talk about that more than let's talk about the doubt. Because, I, I mean, doubt is tangible. Oh, we can sit here and have a conversation about all the bad things that happened in my life. I could, I, we could write books and country songs about it, right? My dog left me. I mean, I still remember Dixie. You remember Dixie, Mama? We, oh, Dixie. I mean, we could write a country song about all the bad things that happened. And you know what? Dixie, my dog that died when I was nine years old or whatever, you know, all of these aspects of my life People love to hold on to and reminisce about and, and think about. It's nostalgic. It's very nostalgic to think about the, the, the good times. But it's really, really nostalgic to think sometimes about the bad times. You know, I never understood this piece of it until you know, we were talking one, years and years ago. You know, and a lady said, I just love to sit and cry. And I went, sit and cry? You, you just like to sit? Yeah, I like to sit and cry. Sometimes I'll just sit there and I go, well, how do you just cry? Like, like, do you just, I mean, do you stab yourself in the arm or in the leg? And you go, oh, and that's how you like to cry? And she was like, no, it's nothing that sinister. She goes, I just sit there and I think about bad things. 
I think about things that had happened to me and happened to my family. I think about my parent that passed away or I think about this other thing. And I just sit there and I just have a good cry. And I thought to myself, what? (laughs) That didn't make any sense to me. But then I started having this. The Lord started opening up this teaching about prayer. See, prayer can go the other way too. Prayer doesn't just have to be, hey, I'm thinking of God's, of God's piece of this. How many people have actually prayed, Lord, in my life, I've had these people die and I've had this thing happen in my job and I've had this and you spend 20 minutes on the bad thing and you're crying and you're upset and you spend five seconds going, Lord, but fix it. See, that's what we do is we sit there and we imagine that. I'm not just saying it with words. I'm seeing a, a dead relative. I'm seeing uh, my, my job that I no longer have, or I'm seeing this certain thing that's happening. My imagination is fully engaged and I have completely given in. And now all the doubt just comes in. And Lord, I'm in such despair that you're the last hope. <laughs> that's not the way prayer is supposed to work. Prayer is supposed to work the other way. I'm supposed to go, Lord, you know my problems. I'm praying your promises. I found in your word where it says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. So I can move on. I've had my time of mourning and I'm going to move on from this situation. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting in my body. Lord, I am believing by 1 Peter 2.24 that by his stripes I am healed. You know, I can keep going on. We could go and find scriptures for everything. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I could just stand on that. Do you know that that is a promise that I just prayed without putting the doubt back in? Amen. Do you know there has been times in my life that I sat there and prayed the the problem so much I even forgot that there was a promise. Do you know that's one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus got so emphatically angry at Peter because Peter's the one that goes, Lord, look at the fig tree. The words that you said, they came to pass. Well, Peter forgot about the 5,000 people that he fed with like the loaves and the fishes. And he forgot about the fact that they were that they were boating against a, a storm. And Jesus comes walking <laughs> onto the water and goes, Hey boys, what y'all doing? Y'all are fighting too hard out here. I told you to get to the other side. Do you know that that Jesus himself was telling them, guys, every single time he said, Hey, y'all are making this too hard. Because you You're so amazed by a fig tree, but you can't remember the 5,000. Hey, I just walked into a place and I flipped a bunch of tables that weighed 500 pounds. End over end, none of the guards came over and killed me. And that fig tree is what really light your wood. I will tell you what, if I was Jesus, I'd be yelling at him too. Because it says here, it says, In verse, uh, let's just start here where it says, And if ye have faith and not doubt, ye shall not only do this which has been done to the fig tree, but if you shall say unto the mountain, anything, whatever that thing is that's in your life, be thou removed to be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt. See, that's what Mark 11, 23, 24 says. And shall not doubt. They moved the doubt. But it's the same. It shall be done, and all these things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them. See, doubt paints just as good a picture as anything else. I can doubt all day long. I can get myself into a really good mess by sitting there and painting some really bad pictures. And I did it for many years. You know, I got my GED after I left high school. I remember I would be sitting there and I had these colleges that was coming and looking at me because I was a big boy. 
I could stand in front of a bunch of other people and keep them from getting to the quarterback. That was the that was a good possibility for me to be able to go to like Middle Tennessee State or one of these other colleges. You know that the moment they found out that I basically was being just passed on, just keep moving, boy. Just we'll get you out of here. You know, all that stuff dried up really quickly. And I knew it was going to dry up quickly. See, I I didn't have the hope that any of that was going to happen because long before then, I had people going, you know what, you're a big guy. You might be able to move some stuff around. You know, the idea of going into computers was something that I had forgotten about. When I was five years old, mom has the book. I wrote down, I want to be a computer engineer. When I was five years old. You know, after I was diagnosed in first grade with ADD and dyslexia, I quit thinking about computers. You know that my hope had run out. And then when we went to VCF, when I went to VCF at 18 years old, and I was just trying to get back on my feet, I was trying to figure out what I was doing. I was an electrician's apprentice. I was trying to to find my way back into what am I going to do. And... I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, hit me. And it became alive in me. Do you know that I started imagining myself working on computers again? You know, I started imagining myself getting to a place to where I could see me living in a good house. You know, I think it's funny because dad actually told me one time, I thought you was going to live in my basement the rest of my life. I mean, I literally, he, he was like, I'm, I was preparing for it. <laughs> That's pretty sad, right? But see, I had no hope. I didn't know what else to do. There was, no, there was no one I could go to that was giving me anything other than, hey, you got a situation here. And you got to figure out how to get out of your situation. You got to bootstrap it, boy. Pull them up. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But do you know the thing is, is that I didn't have to look any further to, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because the moment that the Holy Spirit came together with the logos of the word. And I got Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It changed my imagination. I could see things differently. You know that within that time frame, 18 months, I went from... I went from being an apprentice, and by the way, I was not doing really good at that job, so anybody that thinks I'm down in apprentices, no. In fact, nowadays you can probably make more than being a computer engineer, being an electrician. But back then, I wanted to go on, and I wanted to do something different. Do you know that, that it took me 18 months to go from, I got my GED, and then I went, and I got Novell certified. I took a job as a contractor. Within another like eight to 12 months, I was married. I'd had, I started working for Southern Company as a contractor. You know, the Lord just kept showing me more and more visions. I could see myself going to the next level. You know, every time I would go to another level, I would see another vision. It'd be like, hey, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna, I want to go work in that department. Well, you don't know anything about that department. You know what? I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna find out what that department does. But there's something about it. I want more of it. Do you know that that was so refreshing to be able to have a goal and to be able to go beyond? I mean, every single time because I'd gotten the word instead of worry in my my heart. I could see the next level. There was another level. Well, yeah, there's another devil with another level. But you know what? There's also not a lot more Holy Spirit sitting there going, we're going to get the doubt out. We're going to meditate until it illuminates. And you know what? After a little bit of time, I knew how to do it. I was able to apply for those jobs. I was able to go into that. And see... That's what God wants for each and every one of us is that he wants us to paint a true picture of who he is and what he wants for our lives on the inside of us so that we can just continue to move and to, and to believe. 
You know, I think a lot of times people have gotten stuck somewhere and it makes it hard for them to believe. And they get to the point where it's like, well, you know, God hasn't done anything for me in quite some time, so I just don't know what to do. You know what? God's sitting over here going, hey, there's more. There's more stuff for us to believe for. You just got to go find that promise, grab a hold of it and say, this is what I see and this is what I believe. Amen. I mean, once you get that picture firmly ingrained in your, your mind and your spirit, then you'll receive. You know, this is kind of a funny thing, but, you know, if I sat here and I said, I said, hey, well, why didn't you receive it, Steve? I just threw that to you. You should have dove. You know, the, the funny thing is, is I can throw something to you. And you may, you may not be able to catch it. Guess what? I might be able to throw something to you. You didn't know that you even were wanting to receive it. And it hits you square in the hands. That's what I saw in the national championship game um, back a couple of months ago with Alabama. But we won't get into that this morning. Okay, a lot of balls hit the hands but didn't get received, okay? But essentially, I can throw, God is throwing stuff and it's going, well, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, because you weren't looking to receive. You're walking through life and God's going, hey, get your hands up. What just happened? Well, I didn't receive that. Dusty did. Dusty caught it off the glance and said, hey, I'm taking this one to the end zone. See, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that there are times in our lives that we don't receive because we don't know to catch it. We haven't seen it. Because if I blindfolded you and I took a ball and I threw it at Steve, he's not going to be able to catch it. He doesn't even know it's coming. But see, the moment that we can see it and we can imagine it, then we can receive it. Amen. Does that make sense to y'all? Especially the Alabama part where they didn't win the national championship. Just makes sense to me that they couldn't receive. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to get too much into that because there may be some Auburn folks like Robert that's going to like come up here and smack me. But uh, Uh-oh. Anyway, so a healthy soul produces a prosperous mind. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to stay on this a whole lot longer. But I do want you to understand is that John, when he was talking about, when he was, when he was putting out his books in Third John, he was talking to believers and he wanted them to understand that beloved, in, in John 3, 1, uh, verse 2, says, Beloved, I wish. It's this word, ukamah. It means that he was praying for them. He was longing for them to understand this. That above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. You can't get something and receive something if you haven't changed your mind. How many people have said, you know, I've changed my mind on something. I believe something now. I mean, I have. I've went from just having a wrong thought, a wrong idea, and all of a sudden I see the facts and I go, wait a minute. I get it now. I've changed my mind. My soul is now prospering. Now I can receive. Now I know what I can do. And now I can prosper in that thing. You know, until I actually knew that I could do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You know that I had people coming up to me and talking about, well, you could do this. You could go apply here. You go work over here. And you go do this. And I remember Joe Chafin, he was the youth pastor at the church we were at, at uh, Farsdale Christian Fellowship at that time. VCF, Victor Christian Fellowship, is what it changed into. Um, So shout out to all the McCanns that are over there. But... What I, wanted, what I wanted y'all to know about this is that Joe Chafin, and I think he's a pastor now, he pastors uh, in Graysville, but he came up to me and he said, he said, the Lord told, told me to go talk to this guy. And I didn't know why. And I went and talked to this guy over a SIPCO. Walked up to him and I said, what do you do for a living? He says, I'll work on your computers. 
I work for an outside company, and I come in, and I help maintain your computers. And he said, well, how did you get into it, and what did you do? And he told him, I got certified in Novell, and I did this, and I did that. So he said that he was going home, and he said that he thought. You know, it was kind of like that. Steve, it was, Dusty, go talk to Dusty about this. You understand? He got a word for me. And he came and he said, hey, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I want you to know about this guy and what he did. And I looked into it. You know, the crazy thing about God is, is that his word always works. It always works. I was believing. I was looking. I wanted to receive bad. I was like, where's the football? Throw it to me. I want to catch this thing. And then all of a sudden, Joe goes, hey, look into Novell. I looked it up on the internet. The only place you could go was Nashville or, or Atlanta in order to get Novell certified. And I thought, this is really what I want to do. This is, this is what I feel like God is telling me to do. And I just said, Lord, help me. I can't go live in Atlanta. We don't have the means and the, I'd have to go get a job. And then I'd have to figure out how to go and do all this stuff. Do you know that within three months, and if Heather was in here, she would correct me because I'm going to get this wrong. But within like three months, three to five months, I get a note that says that Novell classes are going to be are going to be at Bessemer Tech. That that this that they were going to for this year only they were going to open up the Novell track. Now, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I know I just said that, and all y'all are going, "Yeah, okay." So, um, do you know that? The Novell classes that I would have had to have taken in Atlanta or in Nashville would have cost $12,000. Now, for an for a 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid, I, had, I didn't have $12,000. I didn't have anything. I couldn't have made $12,000 in that year. But I want you to understand something. When God opened it up over at Bessemer Tech... I think I spent a total of 900 bucks in order to get Novell certified. I, guys, let's get up. We're going to run around the church a little bit. All right? Because that was so amazing and so God that I just, I was like dumbfounded. I was floored. I receive it. And I went and I signed up. And I did it. And it gave me my first opportunities to go take the first jobs in order to be in the field that God was putting on my heart. And that was when I received it. But you know what? God is opening up plenty of things that we get hit. He's like, hey, well, I was just thinking about that. I don't know if I'm actually going to do it. And God's going, well, I'm opening up opportunities for you. I'm trying to give you the ability to do the things that I put in your heart. Well, I just don't know if I've got time. See, that's how we don't receive, is that we don't put enough. Do you know that there was a lot of hours and a lot of things I had to put into it? You know, every time I went to school, when I got my master's degree at UAB, you want to talk about workload, I was working, had small kids, and I had UAB all at the same time. You want to talk about being healed. I went from ADE and dyslexia to I'm doing full-blown like college work at like 400 level classes while I was going to school, while I was helping to raise my kids. You know, God took me a lot of places in like 12 years. I mean, hey, my mother-in-law's going, yeah, I was worried. <laughs> Uh, my in-laws were going, I don't know if he's going to be able to afford to be able to do anything. They, Heather and him may have to come live with us. <laughs> I mean, both parents are sitting there going, I think we might have to do something for them. There was a reason to be worried because if you just looked at me on the outside, I looked like I was not going anywhere. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wasn't going anywhere. But you know what? On the inside, there was an imagination that was happening. It was just building on the inside of me. And I was like, Lord, there's something coming. I mean, by the time that, that all this stuff started happening, I, 
You can ask them. I was talking to you guys. They didn't want to hear me anymore. They saw me coming because I would just tell them about my vision all the time. I was just, I, I was a, I was a, a pest. And see, the thing is, my vision is, I, I just knew, I just needed to speak it. I just needed to say it. I just needed to get it out there. It was going to happen, Charlie, right? I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And Charlie's going, okay, son, it's going to be okay. Yes, I'm believing with you. Amen. Praise God, Lord, do it now. Do you know that at the end of all this, and this is where we were at, I, I stood there on the precipice of, do I want to do this? And it had been ingrained into me over the last 18 months so much that when I saw it, it was just like heaven had opened up because God had done something for me. You know what? God was trying to do something all the time. I was very unappreciative of some of the things. I remember my mom getting me signed up to go and take classes over at, um, what was that foundation that was over there off of? I didn't want to do that. But it was a great thing. But I couldn't receive it. I was not at a place to receive it. I went anyway because mom said, you're going. You know, when mom says you're going, you're going, okay? I'm just going to let you know. But that's what happened. But do you know that Romans 12.2 is what happened to me? I want you to understand that Romans 12.2 is what happens to you in order for you to be able to receive too. Let's read what Romans 12.2 is. It's the bottom of the thing down here. It says, Romans 12.2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You prove it. When you change your mind, I can see it. I know it. I, I see it, Lord. I see this thing. Now let's prove it. Come on, Lord. Look, what are we going to do? Throw me the ball. I'm going to catch this ball. I'm going to score. This is going to happen. You know what? God says, here's the ball. You know, I think God sometimes throws the ball to people. And they drop it on purpose. Sometimes I think he doesn't throw us the ball because he goes, you're not ready. That ball is going to hurt when it hits you in the face. You need to get to the point to where you see before you can actually receive. And sometimes you got to go renew that mind. Well, all times really. Because anything else is conformed. Yes. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. We're not doing this. No, 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 no. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a microphone because you're going to talk to everybody. Okay. When you came to us and you told us your vision and we agreed, we all prayed. Mm-hmm. And we knew God answered prayer and we knew you'd be successful. But don't limit God. I have been blown away by the success Amen. and how far you've gone. And nobody could do that but God. Don't limit God. Amen. Keep your vision Amen. big. Bigger than you can think. Bigger bigger than you can imagine. Amen. God is bigger. Amen. God is bigger. That's right. Do you know that these people prayed for me when I didn't know what the heck I was doing? It was because I was being I was being undergirded by people like Reba and Charlie and Mom and Dad, and they were going, Lord help him. We don't know how to help him. I'm just being honest. I don't know how to help him. I didn't know how to help me either. And you know, that, that's the thing is what Reba said there is important. Now, I've used myself as an example. Y'all may be going, well, Dusty, use yourself as an example. Because I'm the only one that knows about me. I don't know about you. I can't use you as an example or I'm going to have you come up here and give a testimony. But I can't give any examples other than my own. So this is an example that the Lord has put in my life that, yes, I'm amazed that I'm where I'm at because I get nostalgic too. I go back and I think about being a teenager and sitting there and wondering and saying, what is my life all about? You know, I believe there's a ton of teenagers right now that they sit in their room alone and they go, what is life for? 
And they need somebody to come along and say that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. And whatever God's putting in your heart, you can do it, but you've got to find the way God wants you to do it. You know, I'm going to stop right there because I've got more stuff. But I want you to understand that God himself, that he is creating in those that believe a vision. It's an imagination. It's an idealism. It's a, hey, how many other words can I come to describe this? Because it is so impactful once you actually get a hold of it that it changes your life. Do you know that I am a life that has changed because of the word of God and because of the people that put into me and because of the ways that people came to me. People didn't have to do things. People didn't have to pray for me, but they did. And I'm a life changed for them. Do you know that you have the opportunity to be that person for someone else? Do you know you have that ability to be that person for yourself? Because I just didn't let people just give me words. I mean, I had people talking and speaking into me and saying, yeah, go for it. But I had to change the way I thought and the way I saw things. And you know what? God wants to change the way that you see the inside of yourself. You know, I think one of the things, because the older I get, the more that my visions come, they're not as fast. They're not as strong. I know you may be going, well, hey, you just started a church. I'm sitting here grasping to figure out what's next. See, that's what we have to do is we have to go back to the well. We have to go back to God and we have to say, what is next, Lord? What is the next thing? step that I need to take you know I think the older I get the more it's pointed and that it's refined and that I start seeing things that are specific so it takes longer it's not just a generalistic type of thing that I'm supposed to do it's hey you've established yourself in some things over here let's use some of that and let's point back and let's Really focus in in some areas. There's things in your life that you've done that God's put in your life that you've learned from that is going to give you the opportunity to go put into other people. There's a reason why God says, hey, let the elders of the church pray. Because they're the ones that can paint the picture better than anybody else. They should be able. They should be able to to look into people's lives and to be able to say, I see this for you. See, we've gotten into this whole, well, I don't know, you know, all those Pentecostal people over there. Well, you know, they use a lot of terms that people go, I don't know about that. But I will tell you this. If I was to just walk up to Caleb and say, I see this in your life, there'd be a bunch of people who'd go, oh, that's a bunch of Pentecostal mumbo-jumbo. No, no, no. I've been praying for him and I see things in his life and I'm able to paint those on the inside of him. It's not mumbo jumbo. This is truth. And this is the way we paint a vision on the inside of people is that we create the ability for them to see it themselves. You know that there are people that's going to be in your life, in your family, in your friends groups that they're going to have problems. And you have to be the one that helps. Sometimes all you're doing is just praying for them. You're saying, Lord, they need other people because I'm not the one. You'll know because the Lord will say, hey, I'm, you're not the one, but you need to pray for them. You need to find people and help and do this type of stuff. But I'm, you may not be the one. But there again, God may turn it right back around on you and say, hey, go talk to this person. This is the person you're supposed to go and be with and, and you're supposed to paint this picture. You know that in my life, I have taken, I've taken the, 
the planting. I've taken the watering job. I've taken the, the trimming. You know, you go and trim the tree. And I've also went and picked the fruit. You know, not everybody does all that. In fact, we think of prayer as I pray something, I, that means the seed went in the ground and it grew and there's fruit five minutes later. So everybody wants the fast food McDonald's version of Jesus, right? Well, we're going to plant a seed and then 15 minutes later, I get my order and then I'm mad at God because it should have took nine, right? Well, God, I, my, my chicken fingers are not as crispy as they normally are. You know that God himself says, plant a seed, dig out the rocks. There's work to be done. You know, there's some people that are sitting there you'll pray with and you see it. Wow, you got fruit on your tree. You just need to understand how to get it off your your branches and use it. Those are the fun ones. That, that's the fun prayers. Those are the, those are the ones where you're like, hey, I got testimony, hallelujah. Woo, we saw somebody got saved and we saw somebody get you know, set free and we saw all these different things. How many people have been there when you see all this stuff and you think that's what I want to see in people's lives? Well, you know what? There was somebody that planted that seed a long time ago and there was somebody that came in and watered and there was somebody that came in and cut all the dead stuff off. Do you know that before they actually got a hold of the fruit, there was some stuff that was dead on them that, that God was like, hey, you got to cut that off because you'll not receive if you don't. And see, we all play those parts for somebody. I got news for you. I'm just as good to plant a seed or I'm just as good to water or I'm just as good to cut something off. And I'm going to tell you what. I get discouraged sometimes when I cut stuff off of people because I see it. That's the moment that they get to the point to where they're like, do I have faith or do I have doubt? And it's not the fun time. But we have to cut those things off. I'm speaking to some people's hearts today. I'm just going to tell you, you need to be listening because there's people in your life that they're at a point of decision They're at a point where there's going to be fruit, but they've got some stuff and God's saying, hey, you got to go help them get that off of them. You got to go help them cut it off and they're not going to be happy with you. They're not going to be happy that you went and cut it off. It hurts. But you know what? You'll see fruit. You'll see fruit in their lives. You know what? There's been people that I've cut stuff off of them and they don't talk to me anymore. But I've seen their lives later. I've seen somebody else come along and help them pick their fruit. And I go, you know what? I don't care if I got the credit or or the friendship or the whatever it is out of it. Because they now live a life that was worth living. Sometimes we have to play those roles. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else. Everybody bow your head. I'm going to pray for us. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you that your ability that you've put on the inside of us for us to be able to see beyond the physical into the spiritual, to be able to take the imaginations that you're putting in our heart and to be able to pray and paint those on the inside of people, to be able to take off the doubt, Father, and and the shame and the and all of the guilt that is in people's lives and to be able to just uphold them, Father. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you strengthen each and every one of us. Strengthen us, Father. Give us the ability to, to, to take on the new challenges, to not just sit back and say, well, that's for someone else. No. 
If you're nine years old or you're 99 years old, God has got something in your heart that he wants to fulfill. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you're just continually putting into people. That you're continuing to just grow their vision. That their imagination is just going wild with the things that you have. Bring the word back up to their heart. Show them the scriptures that just build their faith and build their promises. That Romans 10, 17 tells us that, that we have faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Father, I pray that you're just opening the word to them in ways that they've never seen. That the promises of God are just, just yes and amen to them. And that they become alive. Father, I just pray over them. I pray over their week. I thank you, dear Lord, that you're just bringing about awesome things for them in their lives and their families and in their jobs and in every aspect. Father, I just pray over, we're having a fellowship today. I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nurse our bodies. And I thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you, guys.